Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Hacking HR podcast, the show where we talk about the amazing future of human resources and all things at the intersection of future of work, technology, innovation, organizations, transformation, and people. At Hacking HR, we believe that human resources can become the most important trailblazer, leading people and organizations successfully and effectively into the new reality of work and life. To do that, we must rise to the challenges of our times, shoot for the stars, and achieve our fantastic potential. During this show, we discuss ideas, insights, data, experiences, stories, and anything else that can contribute to helping you become and be a better HR leader and practitioner. Thank you so much for joining us today and enjoy the show. When you're in customer experience, uh, I, I worked there for many, many years. So I saw the shift between you're doing service, in a sense, you're doing marketing for the hell of marketing and you're doing marketing for the customer. You know, the change when customer experience became a thing, when we started saying we have to personalize the experience, we have to understand the customer behavior, we have to focus on the customer first and then think about a strategy. I was there. I did that uh, from the beginning of it. So I learned from learning uh, early age the importance of understanding people first and then decided, deciding what to do. Mariana is the VP of Global Culture Transformation at Accor. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Hacking HR podcast. Once again, one of the things that gives me the most amount of pleasure in, this, in these conversations that I'm having is not only the conversations, it's the fact that I can have them with people that are all over the world and they bring amazing global experiences from, from their careers, from their places where they are uh, living. So I am really, really excited to welcome a true global citizen. Mariana, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm fine. Thank you for that introduction. I never used that before. <laughs> hey, you are you're from Brazil, living in Paris now. You've been in, in several other places, leading HR, leading companies. So how have you been? How is everything going for you? We are fine at home, as the majority of us, yeah. but we are okay. Struggling with this new normal, but uh, seeing that as an opportunity. Let's put Absolutely. it like that. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about chatting with you because you bring a fascinating experience to the world of HR. You're working in people culture now. You're coming from the world of uh, customer experience. And, and I think that connectivity in there is just fascinating. And I want to ask you, when you move from, from this working customer experience into the world of HR, what do you bring with you that is helping you do your work better now in HR? The curiosity about people. Because when you're in customer experience, uh, I, I worked there for many, many years. So I saw the shift between you're doing service, in a sense, you're doing marketing for the hell of marketing, and you're doing marketing for the customer. You know, the change when customer experience became a thing, when we started saying we have to personalize the experience, we have to understand the customer behavior, we have to focus on the customer first and then think about a strategy. I was there. I did that uh, from the beginning of it. So I learned from learning, uh, early age the importance of understanding people first and then decided, deciding what to do. 
And that's where I found out that my thing, my, my passion was people. <laughs> Doesn't matter if they were customers or, or, or colleagues or leaders or peers, they're people. So that's the bridge. That's what I brought, this, this, this uh, uh, curiosity to understand why and what people want. That is fantastic. And I, uh, I think it's, it's uh, incredible that, we, that that's one of the skills that we should have in HR. And, you know, we, it's not always the case that we're curious about people because for a long period of time, we've been so focused on, on the transaction and the administration of the processes that we forget what we're doing, what we're doing which mm-hmm. is serving, serving others. So let me mm-hmm. ask you, you're coming with this curiosity about people which helps you put people first. You know, you're serving others, you're serving your customer. Uh, how do you translate that into the strategy of the work that you do? How do you, how do you say curiosity helps me do this, this, and that in my work leading people and culture? Well, I got lucky because I got into a department that is called cultural transformation. So I was there to transform an existing culture. Mm -hmm. In other words, was that um, in the hospitality industry, we talked a lot and for a long time about quality means standards. So people were very used to do what they was told to do Mm -hmm. in the hospitality industry. So the process was big and a huge part of quality of what we did. And when I came to, the, to this department, which was a, a little rebel department in the beginning, mm-hmm. I had the chance of saying, if we want to transform this into a people-centric culture, what does that mean? It wasn't, about, it wasn't for me to answer that, it was for the people to answer that. Mm-hmm. So I got that chance to ask my colleagues in the hotels, in the other corporate office, in the other countries saying, okay, what, did, what does that mean for you? We were, I have to put it, we were in a period of time also that we were reframing what we wanted to deliver to the customer. Mm -hmm. So that was the big link there. We wanted to transform the experience to the customer in our hotels. And to do so, we understood that the the power that we had, if we we compare ourselves to, for example, Airbnb or OTAs, the power that we have is that we have the customer in front of us. Yeah. and the service that we deliver is 100% linked to who we are, to the people that work with us. So that's, that's the big bridge. And then over there, we started asking people, say, okay, what does that mean for you? What is a people first culture for you? What do you expect from this company? To, the, to, to my colleagues, you know, people from, from housekeeping to GMs in hotels, what do you expect? And based on that, that's how my work started to, to be developed because we wanted to answer to their needs. They told us what they expected from the country. They told us for them what it means to have a people first culture. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, I, it's, it's interesting because very often we, we overlook the, the most fascinating talent that, uh, or opportunity to find answers to questions that we have in front of us. And that is our own talent. You know, instead of sometimes we bring consultants and then we, you know, we go to best practices that are copied from other organizations. And the last people that we, we ask are the first ones that should be, we should be asking, which is the people, which are the people that work with us in our organization. You know, how can we mm-hmm. do better? Um, especially the ones that are in the front lines, because they are the ones that are uh, dealing with the customer, dealing with the challenges, dealing with the opportunities. And they have all this incredible 
knowledge, not only of the organization, but also about what to do to make things better. Um, let me ask you now, what are the what do you think are the, the fundamentals of a great people first culture? What what do you think are the the main elements that create a great culture? For me, the base, the base of everything. So this would never work. A people first culture would never work if you don't believe that uh, the results are a consequence from the people's satisfaction, mm-hmm. from the, the, the people in, people's engagement to the company. That's our, that's our principle. This is the first, it's the number one principle. Taking that into consideration, you have to start asking what make people engage to you to your company why do they work in the morning why they choose to work for you not to your competitors you have to understand that and that is not that simple because they're going to touch human values there's going to we're going to touch emotions we're going to touch sentiments and in a corporate world we're not used to deal with that you know we we, we want to talk about procedures we want to talk about kpis and we want to talk about performance but we don't dare to talk about emotions we don't dare to say People feel valued if we tell them the truth. People feel valued if we recognize their effort, not only the, the results. People feel motivated if they, if, they, if they are seen by others. These are very um, not concrete things to have as a goal. Let's put it like that. So it's not easy to achieve. And you're gonna do a lot wrong before you get it right. Yeah. So that is very challenging. But if you go in this path, there's no turning back. That's why we call it transformation because you cannot come back. You cannot just turn off the light and say, excuse me, uh, let's stop about, let's stop this right now. Because when you tell people, feel free to express how you're feeling, you have to listen because everything can come up. Beautiful things, but very dark things. So you have to be able to handle that as well. So that shifts the quality and the competences that you need in your team that shift for sure the kind of leadership you expect from your, from, from your company and from your, your colleagues, that shift how you hire, that shift your procedures, your rec- that shift everything towards HR, but in a company uh, point of view. You know? that- so I would say, coming back to your question, I would say that recognizing that uh, people come first than results, Recognizing that we have to deal with emotions, open the door to emotions, mm-hmm. and uh, be ready to listen and do something with it, you know, because you cannot, it's nice to listen, but if you don't do anything afterwards, what's the point? Absolutely. You know, I, I, you said something uh, a while ago, and you said that results in the company are the consequences of how people, uh, people's satisfaction. And this to me, it should be a no-brainer, to be honest. You know, it should be the the connection between these two things should be obvious. If you are disengaged, if you are unhappy, if you are upset at your bo- at your boss, if you don't like the work that you're doing, that's going to be reflected in the results of your work. Now, on the flip side, if you are engaged, if you are finding meaning and happiness in the work that you're doing, if your boss is a supportive boss that wants you to grow and thrive and flourish in the organization, then it's evident that the results will be much better than the other person. But very often, you know, you find, this is intuitive, but then you find that in the workplace, what is 
in what is in practice is the counterintuitive thing, meaning bosses that are not prepared to be good leaders, processes that put roadblocks along the way of people, uh, uh, you know, uh, opportunity to thrive and, and grow in the organization, organizations that know that their people are disengaged and they don't do anything about it. So why is it that we don't do what's intuitive? What, why is so difficult to, to create that level of satisfaction in our employees so that they drive better results? Because it's safe not to do it. Yeah. It's safe. We've been doing that for so long and somehow we succeeded, huh? The companies yeah. are there. Somehow. <laughs> yeah. The companies are there. They have the results. People still work. So it's safe. Transformation, we, 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 yeah, we say that a lot at the core. Transformation, you have only two ways of transform, right? By love or by pain. That is in life. By love or by pain. We are very, very uh, uh, bad people in a sense because we never transform by love. We go by pain, usually. Personally and in a corporate perspective. So you, you're not going to expect people to transform when things go right, no. when things are working. It's too risky. No. I mean, it's working so far, so why the hell should I change? Yeah. But the two main things that force you to go this way, to see something different, to, to dare to see something different, is when you're in pain. And what does that mean? Perhaps when you, well, like you said, your engagement are low and you're losing money because you're losing talent and you're, exp uh, and you're expending more money to hire new people, for example. That when you say, ah, something wrong. Yeah. Or like, for example, for us, what took us so long? For us, we were losing business to start with because we got Airbnb in our shoulders. We got Booking.com in our shoulders. We got a, a, a Expedia in our shoulders. And that's when we started to look inside the company and we took the right direction. But we need the pain to drive us to transform because it's, again, it's not an easy thing. When you say, I'm, 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 I'm going to put people first, I'm going to open a Pandora do door that might shift everything that we do. Yeah. Who is ready for that? It's easy for startups who just starting and say, by the way, I'm starting like that. Huh? But when you have a big company or a medium company who've been working and doing right for so long, it's very, very risky to take, to take uh, these kind of steps because that could mean that you don't have the right people with you. Yeah. That could mean a lot of things that not everybody's ready to take that chance, you know? This is, you know, this is fascinating. This conversation is amazing. And I, I love that you said at the beginning of this, of this question that somehow we succeed. And it's a great quote, actually, because when you think about it, somehow we succeeded. But imagine all we could have been able to do if we had done the things right in the first place. Or if we had realized, you know what? Yes, things are working, but we can do better. You know, so let's transform by love. Let's say, instead of waiting for the pain to come, why don't we start thinking about the things that we can do better so that instead of having, you know, 60% engagement, we have 85% engagement. And then five years later, we have 95% engagement. Or instead of just making, you know, a given company making $1 billion a year, then we can make $10 billion a year because our people are going to be fully engaged with the work that they are doing and they will be driving the results. Um, once again, you know, the, the, it's, it's just this comfort that you're talking about being in the place of doing the same thing all the time and not, not being able to, uh, to, 
to sort of stand up in the balcony, what, you know, sometimes it's called that way, you know, you go up to the balcony and you see things in perspective and, you know, ha- not having that ability is, is, is being really um, negative for, for organizations. And if, if I might add, there's also a shift as well in what you understand is your role, hmm. either uh, as an HR uh, director or, or at a CEO, as a company, what is your role for a long, long time? we thought our role was to drive business. Mm. When you shift your mindset and you say, my role is to improve your life individually. That's my role. I'm responsible for you. Go to the little things. Then you see that's when people come first. When you take responsibility for your people's lives. I saw a quote in LinkedIn the other day saying, when you fire one person, you fire a family. You fi- it, goes, it goes like back to the family, back to the values, back to the father that person is. So you go back. This is what we have to see. When you say people first, we have to see people as people in everything that comes with it, not only about a number. So in that, in the good and the bad decisions, when you hire somebody, you have to hire somebody looking at how that person will grow, how that person will develop as a person in how she can she or her she or he can bring uh, uh, value to the company the, yeah. the other way is also true when you let go somebody you have to let go thinking about what does that mean as a person so it's bigger than just re- results and revenue you see yeah so it, um, yeah you know that that's why sometimes i think that this concept of employee experience which i love it's it's just not enough right because it's it sounds as if you were just talking about the person as an employee and not as a human. And one thing that I that I started talking about a couple of years ago was the human experience mm-hmm. at work. And that what what in my view, what that's including is you as a full human who happens to work for my company. But it's exactly what you're saying. You know, I, I, when you, when I make your life better, I am not just making your life better. I am making the, your life, your family's life, everybody around you better. And actually, I have this uh, this this theory or, or saying that sometimes is naive, but when I think about the people that have the most amount of impact on the most amount of people in the shortest amount of time, I think number one, political leaders, of course, number two, business leaders, and I think the number three is HR professionals, because if you think about it, for in every organization, there might be anywhere between you know, for every HR person, anywhere between 200 and 400 people that are impacted by the work of that one person. So if, like you're saying, if we in HR are able to improve the life of one of those 400 people, we are improving society, we're improving a family, we're improving our work. So it's not just the employee experience, it's the human experience of that person who happens to work for us. And I think that is so fascinating. Yeah, and I would personally... I always present myself a human experience point, not even working for us because nowadays your life outside this company could have a huge, like uh, what you lived before coming to work for me and what you will live after working with me has an, has an impact to the world. So yeah. it's a human experience large. Uh, now during this crisis, for example, we have calls with uh, people all around the world where we just talk about our feelings. Yeah. It's about, okay, you know what? You're going to connect. We connect and you're going to share how you're feeling. And for those people who are mothers, who are uh, fathers, who are husbands and everything, who have to deal with a hotel who is closed, 
and they have to fire half of their team because they have no option whatsoever. And they cannot share that outside because they need to keep it up. They need to keep the, you know, the the vibe, the good vibe for their team and also at home because they don't want to share at home that they also feel insecure. A lot of them, they are the structure of the family, like financially. And then they have a moment just to share. And you see people crying. You see people holding each other. You see people, I feel you. I understand what you're going through. And this is also work, but yet it's their lives. Yeah. We're not talking about work there. We're talking about their life, their personal issue, their own insecurities. But we do that at work. So I think that more and more, it's about human experience in general. Yeah. And yeah. We have to talk that at work. We have to talk that outside work. And luckily, if we have a company that allow us to do that, that's the best situation because that's where you you feel complete. Yeah, is that is that humanity right uh, mm-hmm. in the first exactly. place? Um, so, Mariana, let me ask you. You know, based on this conversation, um, you know, it, it it feels as if there are a lot of challenges for human resources ahead of us, and there were many challenges before the pandemic. Now, a lot of those challenges have been amplified with the new challenges. So it's a lot of stuff going on for people in the HR space. But let me ask you, what, what, in terms of culture, in terms of putting people first, what are the two or three main areas that you think HR should be focusing on from now going forward? The first one is development, the development of people. We are going to a crisis which a lot of people will be let go but a lot will stay. In, I'm talking mainly about my industry, but, they, but in, in overall, a lot of people are losing their jobs, mm-hmm. a lot of getting new jobs, but a, a lot of them are staying. We have to value them. We have to guarantee that these people are valued and they, they have a career path in front of them. They are, you need to develop those people because if they stayed during this moment of crisis, it's because they means a lot to you. Let's be honest, right? Yeah. Uh, those who are stayed is the one that you have to keep close to your heart. So you have to develop, develop them. The second one, that doesn't mean that you're in a crisis. They don't have, you can still be human-centric. You can yeah. still be human-focused. Uh, uh, human so better good decisions, put people first. Put respect first. You can do, uh, you can say a lot of things that are not uh, nice to others. You can fire people, you can reduce hours, you can do a lot of things and you can keep their respect. You can Mm -hmm. still value them. You can still show them that they mean something. So do that, do that with respect. And that's not easy because to do that, you have to understand that you are also scared. You have Mm -hmm. to control your own emotions, but you, as an HR, this is our role to do it. And the third and not least, this is the moment to rewrite the culture. Yeah. This is the moment to make things right. So uh, if, if you have the possibility to rewrite the talents that you want to have in your team, to re- rewrite what you expect from leaders, to rewrite uh, what are the, the competence that you expect, do it right. Choose the right ones. Yeah. Think about what you want in the long term. Stop thinking about expert and think about people relations put things first you know and i think this is the big opportunity for a lot of companies to say okay now let's let's do it right let's rewrite our story in a good way absolutely 
<laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, great. It's, it's a great, it's definitely a great opportunity to do it. Um, Mariana, as we wrap up this conversation, I want to ask you a, a final question. All of this, of course, for, for any organization, it, it sounds as something they need to do. And a lot of them have already gone through some of the process like you and, and your company, and some others are just beginning the journey. And some others are thinking about it, but they haven't started the journey yet. So let me ask you, for those who have not started this journey of rewriting the story, rewriting their culture, truly putting the human first, what would you tell them the first step should be? What should be the first element, the first item in their to-do list to, to do all of these things that you have talked about during the chat, during the podcast? Listen. 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 Go around and listen. Listen to those that work for you. Ask them what they expect. How do they see the company in five years? Why do they work with you? Why they chose you? How do they see the difference between what you have and others? And start by that. Because when you ask them to talk, they will talk. Yeah. There's nothing that engage more people than to be heard. Yeah. But make sure that you do something with it. Don't ask just for the hell of it, you know? Make sure you have a plan to do something with it and involve as much people as you can. I know this can sound messy and sometimes the word co-design get lost, but it's about building something together. You don't create a culture and you impose to other people. You create together. So I would go to listen, ask them, and then together decide what to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mariana, thank you so much for sharing your ideas, your, uh, your knowledge, your time with us. It was a great conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. And thank okay. you, everybody. Absolutely. Thank you, everybody. Stay tuned for the next Hacking HR podcast. See you all soon. Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking HR community. Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.